0: The defense commission of these four murders over a 10 day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this
1: state.
0: Skin them sometimes,
2: uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have
1: killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then I felt
3: like
2: I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast.
0: evening, guys. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Serial Spirits Live. My name is Annie Weeds, and I'm so excited for tonight's show. You guys see this guy sitting right beside me. Before I get started, I've got to get one really quick announcement out the door. I've got to thank our patrons for the week. So you guys, oh, I lost my patrons page. Oh, hold on here. Okay. (laughs) Um, thanks to our patrons for the week. They are Brittany Halloran and Cool Scout09. Guys, thank you so much for supporting Paranormal Warehouse. If you guys would like to become patrons for Paranormal Warehouse, some of the things you could get uh, live streams from some of the nation's most haunted locations. Extra content including early release and extra episodes of Serial Spirits, our podcast, shout-outs on all of Paranormal Warehouses shows. You can even sign up for monthly merchandise shipments that will come straight to your front door, guys. This is merchandise that is not available anywhere else. Patreon.com slash paranormalwarehouse. Guys, we are honored to. For each and every one of our supporters, thank you so much. We do this for you guys. All right. I got to get right down to the nitty-gritty tonight with my incredible guest. Unless you're living under a rock, you know this guy, star of Travel Channel's The Dead Files. Steve DeShawby is with us. Steve. Thank you for having me.
3: Thank and thanks you. for saying so,
0: even even in a West Virginia accent so you know (laughs) Steve I want to say something really quickly before we get out the door on this you and I had the chance to meet a couple of years ago maybe at Lake Shawnee Amusement Park I came up there to give an interview for the Dead Files about an experience I had there and the thing that really struck me about you was that you know, you're know you this star of paranormal TV for years now, for a decade, almost. And you were so approachable and easy to talk to and just very humble, in my opinion. It's so humble that when I told you that I was from Huntington, West Virginia, you said, oh, I've been there before, Dr. Grimes. <clears throat> and that was the crazy thing I thought of all of the people that you've met and the places that you've been in all of this, you remembered even down to the fact that Dr. Grimes' wife baked you cookies. She did. <laughs> and
3: that was yeah. just... That was nice of us, so I always remember was that.
0: amazing to me for all of the place, places that you've been and the things that you've done that you remembered people that specifically.
1: Well,
3: you know what? I grew up... Um, very humble. <laughs> so I stayed that way. And you know, when people treat me nice, I remember it, you know, it's hard to forget that. And and he, obviously him and his wife were very uh, memorable uh, people. And I still, still think about them often, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just me, you know,
0: yeah, Dr. Grimes, he, uh, he's still practicing through COVID. He's in his seventies and his office is right next door to my office and the man doesn't miss a beat. Let me tell you, he's, he's I bless phenomenal. Him. Yeah. He's phenomenal. So, let's, you have such a history in this. I think this is absolutely fascinating. The Dead Files first aired in 2011. So, you guys are... Number
3: twenty third two 2011. So,
0: you guys have been filming for a decade in all of this. So, I would think that right now that makes you one of the longest continuously running paranormal shows on TV.
3: Yeah, I don't know the the other shows very well i know ghost adventures that's on our channel they were Mm. on way before us so they've been on a lot longer uh you know i never really watched ghost shows before i don't even watch myself let alone other (laughs) you know paranormal shows so uh yeah you know what uh friends of mine were like yeah you know when this thing ends you go back to doing what you do and i'm like and they're, they're, they're kind of amazed at how long that this run is gone right I'm still amazed by it. Every time I hear that, we got picked up again, so...
0: So, let's... That's because, oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: That's, that's because of the fans, and no other reason.
0: You guys so. have an enormous fan base. And after meeting you guys and shooting that interview, I realize now why you do, and it's very much justified. I can tell people that when they watch The Dead Files, what they see is what they get, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that I was treated when I was there doing all this. Because, you know, you, you film for these shows. You never know what's going to happen, really. Right. And you never know how you're going to be treated. So, um, but let's go back to the beginning. So Serial Spirits, we love to cover true crime and paranormal. Before you're this paranormal star, <laughs> your career is as a New York City homicide detective, Right. Which I can imagine in that line of work, you've seen far scarier things than anything paranormal.
3: Yeah, and it's an ongoing uh, joke for me. Not a joke, but when people tell me, oh, you're so brave for going into these homes, I'm like, you have any idea what I did for 22 years? Right. Plus, that's the years it. I was in the Marine Corps, I'm like, <laughs> these homes don't scare me. No. So.
0: that's The living <laughs> scare me, the dead are just yeah. interesting. The dead are just interesting. So how did you make the leap from homicide detective in New York City to the dead files?
3: It's a long story, but I'll I'll keep it brief. Um, Basically, ABC News did a documentary on the NYPD. They did a seven-part series called NYPD 24-7. So I was the featured detective in the first episode of that seven-part series that aired. I didn't want to be on this documentary. I actually fought not to do it because of uh, I was a union delegate. Mm. I didn't want to be filmed by cameras, be mic'd up. Right. So I battled it and I was forced into doing it, but you know, we did it. They filmed us for like 18 months. The show aired, it won an Emmy. It was the most watched documentary in ABC News History. And they did a really well good job in in portraying us in the good light, you know. Um, So it aired, and then uh, I retired about a year after it aired, and I got a phone call from Jim Casey, who owns a production company that created Dead Files. And he asked me if I was interested in doing television, because he had gone to a network executive at Discovery Channel pitching a private investigator type of reality show. So he said, well, I saw this guy on this documentary. He'd be great for television. Give him a call. And that's how it all started. We did a couple of pilots, didn't work out, and I started working full time again after I retired. And then he called me up I think in the summer of two thousand eight. About doing the dead files. And in the summer of two thousand nine we filmed the sizzle. The you know, pilot, right. Whatever the hell you call it, the nine minute video. But it was a full on episode that we filmed that they shut down into a short period of time. So I wasn't thinking anything about it. I'm like, okay, you know. What a chance this is going pick, to get picked up. A year goes by, and, you know, a little bit less than maybe eight months goes by. And he says, listen, the Travel Channel's interested in the show. And I'm like, what show? Because we did like four or five pilots. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I never equated the Travel Channel with, you know, a paranormal show.
1: Right.
3: And then I said, the, the Dead fuzz? are you kidding me? So he says, yeah, we're going to film eight or six episodes or eight episodes. I forget what it was the first. I think it was eight. We got picked up for eight episodes. And then we started filming in November of 2010. And then we f- filmed all the way till that March, and I was still working full time while we were filming. And then September came, it aired, and I think halfway to October, we got picked up for season two. And that's when I had to make the decision if I was actually gonna stay on the show, or if I was gonna call it a day, because I had to quit work. Right. You know, and living in New York City at the time, my, my daughter at the time was just starting college, I'm. Mean, she's an attorney now, so it's, I did my job, but I mean, it was a tough decision for me to, especially the way the show was edited early on, the first season. I wasn't really happy about the way I was portrayed, to be honest. You ever see those first seven or eight, eight episodes? I was not happy about it, and I let the producers know that. I said, I'm not, you know, for me to come back to do that, all I got is my integrity, my reputation, and I, you know, you got me saying one word after I, you know how the interviews go. You were there. How many questions do I ask?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's okay. right.
3: Hey, how many questions do I get in on oh, it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So what else? happened? That's it. Oh, wow. Okay, and you know, so that gets frustrating for me. Right. Because you know, it's like, well, it doesn't show me doing my due diligence. So I got a little frustrated with it. The new new showrunner came on, and he kind of changed things a bit, and my my role is a little bit more than it was early on.
0: So, so what made you decide to leave Homicide Detective? And really give it a go with the dead files. What was the draw for you at that point to step away and try something that was a complete one hundred and eighty from what your life had been before?
3: Right. Well, it didn't happen like that. I retired because I I I'd had enough. I got passed over for promotion again, and it was just one of those right. things. I had almost twenty two years in. Politics.
1: I'm like, I'm yeah,
3: yeah I'm on. So I, I retired and I went to work again. You know, I took a couple of months off and then went to work full time. And when Dead files came around. I was actually working for Merrill Lynch. Mm. And I hated that job. <laughs> and I had actually, you know, I quit in between doing the sizzle and when we got picked up and I went to work for the city again as an investigator. And I had a good job. I was take home car, Monday, uh, weekends and holidays off. I was making decent money. You know, between my pension and what I was making, I, I was having, you know, it was a good living. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it was a tough decision for me to, it wasn't a tough decision to do the first season. It was a tough decision. To continue doing it and having to leave. You know, I'm, I'm civil service minded. Right. I want my paycheck every two weeks. Right. I've never, since I'm 17 when I joined Marine Corps, I've never not had a paycheck every two weeks. Right. All the way up until the time when I was, got on the dead files. So, like right now with this pandemic, I haven't gotten paid since who knows when, you know, so it's, I'm going months without a paycheck. What a mess. And that's just the, the part of this whole TV crap that I'm. It's it's but it's, it's frustrating. It's nerve wracking. It you know keeps you up at night. Right. You know, but you know the the work we do is good. You know, so for me, I'm still helping people.
0: So let's talk about that before the dead files. Your feelings mm-hmm. on the paranormal: were you believer, skeptic, somewhere in between, undecided? Yeah,
3: I, I, no, I was an open minded skeptic. Um, I actually yeah. used a couple of psychics on a couple of homicide cases I had. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they they were for shit. They didn't do anything for me. <laughs> I mean, they actually took me in the wrong direction of the actual yeah. case. But I was willing to give anything a shot when I had a homicide, no matter what it was. You know, I'd go right. to Coco's shop, if I knew who they were back then, uh, just to get a break on a case. It may not be admissible in court, but as long as I can get a lead on a case, I would have yeah. taken it. So I never... I wasn't one of those guys. Oh, there's no such thing as ghosts. Don't be, a, don't be a baby. There's no such thing. You know, wow. I was never that guy. Um, I was always open. minded I always believed that something's out there. I've never ever experienced anything. I never probably will. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean just because I didn't see it or experience it doesn't mean I don't believe it. You know, I, I I'm more skeptical of people. I am skeptical. Period. Of people. One
0: hundred
3: percent agree. Yeah. So. As far as the paranormal, that's why I get this. people, oh, I guess since working with Amy, you believe in the paranormal now. Well, who the hell said I never did? Right. I mean, you just assume, you make assumptions, and it's been going on a lot these last couple of weeks. Facebook, people are saying that I got sick, and that's why I went off of Facebook, and I'm like, what the hell, people? Just get a life. People
0: yeah. have had, I had to take a break from Facebook when all of COVID started, because I felt like everybody needed a real mental check at that point. And I can't imagine what it's like in your position because you guys, I don't want to say are so heavily scrutinized, but people are watching you all the time. And so I can't imagine how it affects your everyday life to have to deal with that.
3: Well, you know what it is with me every time like, I totally deactivated Facebook about two weeks ago, I guess people are flipping out what happened, you know, all this other thing. I'm like, like, did something happen? I'm like, No, just fed up with all the COVID stuff. And I was fed up with everybody's opinions. I was fed up with people saying that I was sick. People saying, oh, uh, Steve got into a fight with somebody about politics. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? They just make stuff up as they go. Right. You know, and uh, so I just, I'm like enough with it. I'm on Instagram a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instagram for me is my, more of a social media. I have to have social media per contract. Right. I have to have these two venues for social media. So I have Twitter. I'm verified on Twitter. I'm not verified on Instagram, but Facebook and Facebook kind of you can only have 5,000 people follow you, right? Right. Or a personal page. On Instagram, I have 50 something thousand Facebook. I mean, Twitter, I think I have almost 70. So you've got a broader audience. And I like the interaction on Instagram. Twitter is just too political for me. I can't take it. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's either either left or right. And I don't want to hear either party at this point.
0: Instagram but, verify Steve Jesus Lord what are you waiting on?
3: Three years I've been trying to get verified. videos. Three years, yeah. So, um, I find Instagram a lot more. I've been doing since this pandemic started. I've been doing a lot of videos. I fancy pick out of them, but like you were saying, everything I say gets scrutinized. Right. There's always somebody's got a problem with something I say, and I always have to, you know. I woke up the other morning. I was taking pictures of the sunset because I had a bad dream. I woke up. I said, you know what, let me go out there and see the sunrise. I haven't seen the sunrise in a while, not the sunset. And I had to put a disclaimer, and as soon as I wrote, hey, guys, I want to share a sunrise with you. And I got up early because I had a bad dream, so don't ask. Right. You know. Right. Oh, what are you doing up so early? I don't understand. You know, because that's, that's what – and then – and, of course, inevitably I get the question in the, in the feed, why are you up so early? Well, did you read what I just said? <laughs> People, <laughs> and then, listen. Yeah. And then they're like, well, what kind of dream did you have? I'm like – I got PTSD. I have bad dreams all the time. I mean, it's just, you know, it's part of being a, a next cop and a former Marine, you know. I
1: can't even. What
3: you do. When you see the amount of dead bodies I've seen, they come back to haunt you every once in a while, for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you get you wake up in the middle of the night or you can't sleep in the middle of the night, and uh, it's just what happens. I can't so even. So I wasn't. Yeah. yeah, I knew I had to cut it off right at the knees because if I don't put disclaimers in, right. and then a lot of I'll say something. I'm usually 95% I'm joking about something. Right.
0: Yeah. You throw in
3: that LOL in there and people still think you're serious.
0: Yeah. No, people don't take that. People calm down. Stop looking in Steve's windows. <laughs> let him have a little peace and watch a friggin' sunrise every now and mm. again. That's unbelievable. Just calm, calm down.
1: it's
3: <laughs> But for the most part, I got to say uh, the the fans on Instagram and um, even on Twitter, Instagram, you have a lot more interaction. And mm-hmm. I think it's quick. It's, quick, it's easy. And, it, you know, it's it's basic. They, people can't post their own thing on your thing. They can only do a comment. Now I just found this. This part of um, the app that you can actually put a picture out or a post out without allowing people to comment on it.
0: Well, that's perfect. See? It's
3: great. So, so nobody- I did that. I did that. One of my posts, and people are like, "What's wrong with your Instagram?" I can't What's post wrong on with
0: your Instagram. Nothing. You people are wrong with my Instagram. Some days. Yeah,
1: exactly. But you you got hacked. Did you get hacked?
0: I think you need to start TikTok. Where you do? Have you be, Have you seen TikTok? Like the dancing videos, the voiceovers. Yeah.
3: Well, it's owned by the Chinese. Uh, the <laughs> Chinese company. So I refuse to do TikTok.
0: Because <laughs> I, don't what, TikTok. I don't know what TikTok
3: with that information. So
0: I'm too old for TikTok. tock. I don't understand anything that goes stop. on on there. Any
3: age of 30 that's doing TikTok needs some help. <laughs>
0: stop. It's co. I'm going to blame it all on COVID brain at this point. No, just stop right there.
3: Some of this stuff is pretty funny. So I gotta say some
1: of the stuff is funny.
0: Ridiculous. So you decide to leave Merrill Lynch, rightfully, I know I, I would be huh. up banking off at the knees right there. And you go with the Dead Files. Do you remember the first investigation that you did?
3: After we, oh, the first investigation ever?
0: The first one in, that you remember making it to TV that people actually saw.
3: That was the one, well, it, it went out of sequence. The first episode mm-hmm. we ever investigated was in New Orleans, actually. At a professor's house, a young kid that lived there. And then, but they, for some odd reason, they put the first episode we that aired was eerie, Erie, New York, uh, Erie, of all places, right? Mm-hmm. Erieville, uh, and that was first. And apparently, the guy that was on the Oz show was on another show, something to do about rehabbing and stuff. Like he was a rehab guy, mm-hmm. but that rehab show he did after he filmed Oz, but it aired before Oz aired.
1: Gotcha.
3: So people are like, oh, that's the guy. How dare you guys go ahead and get somebody that? Would, I'm like, this that happened after the fact, you know. Right. But I remember the first couple of seasons pretty good, but after that, I'm gonna be honest, it's, it's like a blur. It's a blur. Because we're almost 200 episodes in. Amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: So, if anybody's watched The Dead Files, I'm sure. Actually, let's, let's hop on the chat real quickly here, because we've got a whole bunch of people watching, and I saw some really nice comments come through. Uh, Lauren Graf Cash says, thanks for your service, Steve. I'm a paramedic, and my husband is a detective, and it definitely takes a toll. Lauren, thank mm. you for your service. Uh, Sandra thank Owen you. says, Steve, I really admire you and all you do. Uh, let's see. I saw a couple of others here. Let's see. Giselle Gocher says, I love your show. Your accent is so cool. And Are you, you know- out? He to, to know if you're married.
3: I am not married. Oh, that was the other rumor, that I had gotten married. I've been <laughs> divorced for over seven years, right? And uh, I live alone. People are like, oh, he got married over the weekend, and that's why he's off of Facebook.
1: Like, <laughs> Where
0: do people a, even come up with shit.
3: this? Well, before I'm going to get married again, that'll never happen. So, so Steve
0: it, is not married. Yeah, No. <laughs>
3: No, so uh, and thank them for those comments. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank but, you, guys. Uh, they
0: can, they're, they're in the live feed right now, so they're listening. Guys, if you have any questions for Steve, feel free to hit them in the chat. I'll try to get to them as we go through a um, lot of stuff going on right now. So let's get back to you have one of the most – how would I say this? Let's talk about Amy for a minute. Amy is – I think one of the most, at least watching her on TV. I've never met her. Intense people that I've ever seen on a paranormal investigation. So tell me about the first time that you met Amy, and had the opportunity to kind of work with her, and get to know what she was doing on the show.
3: Well, first time I met her was in Denver when we did the Sizzle, and uh, she's a very happy-go. He always laughing type of person. She's not serious. She's like me. I mean, we're both. I'm not serious. You know what I'm like when I'm not filming.
1: Right. You know, yeah. I have
3: to work your work and you can be serious. But for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm a knockoff. You know, I try to laugh at everything if right. I can. Um, and Amy's the same way. She tries to keep things, you know, light and, and, and funny. Because like herself, you know, what she sees, she's got, have issues from seeing all that crap. Mm. Same way as I have issues and we deal with it I think by not being so serious all the time.
1: Right.
3: So, um, you know, f- for me, when I first met her, I'm like, this girl's a medium, you know, <laughs> kind of like, right. no, because she was flighty, you know, right. very flighty and uh, all over the place, you know, but, uh, you know, she's a sweet woman and she, she works hard and, uh, you know, we're very opposite people, mm-hmm. v- very opposite. Like we don't hang out. Let's put right. it that way. I mean, we work together, but we don't hang out. Once in a while, it's very rare. If we're in between filming, we may have a drink together, and we always have we always wind up getting loaded and having a few laughs. (laughs) Time, but uh, you know we're very different people. But at the same time, when we're working, we work really well together.
0: So, you guys, when you do these investigations, is it like what you see on the show? You go in and do totally separate investigations, you from a detective standpoint, Amy from a medium standpoint, and then you don't coordinate your findings until the reveal? Is that really how it goes?
3: Yeah, absolutely. The only people that know about both sides of the investigation is, are the producers, obviously, because right. they're there for, actually almost like filming two shows in one, with the crew films both of us. right? And, um, you know, they don't tell me anything that Amy did on her walk. And, you know, those guys are just so into their own thing. They don't even really listen to anything Amy's really saying. Right. and They don't listen to really anything I'm saying either. It's all There's about get, film. <laughs> yeah, getting a shot. So, yeah, but she, you know, and I tell people, I'll, you know, I swear on a stack of Bibles to take a lie detector test. She knows nothing about what's going on. I know nothing about her investigate. you know, what she sees on her walk. I don't even see her walk unless I happen to catch it on TV. You know.
0: Have there ever been any moments when you sat down at a table for a reveal with her that she has really just shocked the pants off of you by what she said?
3: Yeah, it's not. It's not so much. Yeah, I, I guess it's what she says. She she's always shocked me with her detail more so than her, which which I think sets her apart from ninety nine percent of other mediums out there. Her detail, her accuracy and detail about stuff that's going on in the house and what I come up with research always blows my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like for instance, that first one we did in New Orleans, the woman, one of the women that lived there died of throat cancer and Amy says, yeah, there's something going on with this woman's throat and I don't know what it is, but I'm having a lot of pain in my throat and sure as shit, we had a woman that died of throat cancer that lived in the house. So those little details always, I may not look like I'm shocked, but deep down inside I'm like, oof, I can't believe she got that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have a poker face. So you probably see it on TV, but. Um,
0: you kind of you know, stifle that, some of it. You kind of bring it back in. Cause it's like, you don't want these people to be.
3: Well, it's crime. like being on the job and you come across a crime scene or, a, or an accident. And if you get hysterical from looking at what, saying, seeing what you're looking at, what do you think the witnesses are going to feel like around you? You got to keep it together. Right. Keep your exactly. shit together. And keep
0: it together. Be befri- yeah. Exactly. So. So, do you remember if there is a case that you have ever gone in and you've been frightened by activity or frightened by something that Amy said, by what she got, and the what you've investigated? Ever? No, like, I've never
3: been. No, I've never been frightened for myself. I've always been um, worried, for lack of a better word, for the client. Right. Because after we're done. We're going home.
1: Right.
3: We're traveling next location. So I'm more in fear for what they're going to be dealing with than uh, for me. I mean, unless somebody's throwing shots at me, I'm um, you know right. trying to stab me. I'm I'm not <laughs> right. I I don't have that fear factor in me when I'm doing these cases, but I do have empathy and I'm, I am worried about the clients at times, especially when Amy says, "If you don't get out of here, you know something bad's going to happen." You know, And people are like, oh, Steve, don't you get upset when they don't take game's advice? I'm like, I don't got to live there.
1: Right.
3: You it's know, like I understand home. it because I want to crap on the police department. You chase a guy down, they just rob somebody. You chase him three blocks, you're fighting with the guy. You finally get him cuffed and they're like, I don't want to press charges.
1: Right. You know? Okay.
3: So I'm used to that crap, right. you know, from my past career. But for me, you know... I get it. You don't want to press charges, but now he's going for resisting arrest and trying to, you know, assault me or whatever. He's going to get arrested anyway. But listen, you want to live there? After Amy said you shouldn't, and a lot of times it comes down to monetary. And I get that. Right. I really, I really get that. And but at the same time, you know, if somebody told me I had a, just, you're, you're on a fault and the house is going to, you know, eventually one day there's going to be an earthquake and your house is going to go right into the, into the, earth. Yeah. Well, all hell right, out of here. Right. I don't, why do I wait for that to happen? Right. You know, so people make decisions for themselves, but my problem is if there's kids involved or elderly, you know, Yeah. you know, a house is replaceable. People aren't.
0: People aren't. I remember it wasn't long after you guys were at Dr. Grimes' office. And when I refer to Dr. Grimes, there's a, a dental office here in my hometown. It's three minutes from where I live and next door to the office where I work, that Steve and Amy did an episode years back. And after you guys were there, I had the opportunity with the team that I was with in West Virginia here to go in and investigate. And not long after we investigated there, Dr. Grimes had a medium come in. I think she was from North Carolina and he said this medium had reached out to him independently and said that she could come in and basically pass this girl on that was there. The girl that Amy so vividly picked up on and was 100% accurate about what she got. Um, and I talked to Dr. Grimes on kind of a regular basis, and he said after that medium came in and she passed this girl on, that they've had no paranormal activity since then. Now, he's not mentioned it again for probably, I don't know, the last year or so, but I wonder if on any of the cases that you guys have been in, has anybody ever asked Amy on the spot, like, get rid of what we've got in here, I don't want it anymore, I can't afford to move, this is it, we're done, you're our last chance?
3: Yeah, I mean, Amy doesn't do that because it takes a lot more involved. Usually the stuff she recommends involves more than one person.
0: Right, and a lot of time involved.
3: A lot of times, you know, but she doesn't do, uh, I mean, she we'd never be able to do any investigations if she stuck around to help the clients get rid of. So she, she does the aftercare, that they call it, and hooks them up. Now she's got a team that she works with that's been helping people out, which is good. But, uh, yeah, people are like, well, how, why don't we just try to get rid of it tonight? And he was like, yeah, it's not that simple. You know, I mean, of course, they, they want immediate results. I get that, but very rare. I think people I usually have a talk with them before the reveal and explain to them how the reveal process is going to go. And I explain to them, listen, we're going to answer your questions, but we're not going to fix anything tonight. Right. Just get that through your head. You know, we're going to maybe tell you one of two things. You got to get the hell out of here right. or we're going to give you a game plan you know, and follow the game plan. So, b- giving that, that not a speech, but giving that talk to them before the reveal, which I've probably been doing now for the last, I didn't do it for the first couple of years, and now I've been doing it probably the last eight years. So, it's very rare that somebody will say it because they know, if I already explained to them, that's not gonna happen. Right. But we never leave them without questions, you know. We always answer any question.
0: So, if Amy has these, these kind of teams of people that she handpicks, are they like in different locations across the nation, she finds other mediums, other spiritualists that come in and kind of coordinate and help yeah. these people?
3: Yeah, that's more of an Amy question. I don't really get involved with any of it. I know she's got one or two people she reaches out to specifically that can, you know, that will create a team. Because it's never the same people you need on each investigation, each right. cleansing or whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. So it's always... Well they need a male medium or they need a shaman or they need you know, what do they call it the chaotic witch or a chaos magician, whatever the Chaos you know.
1: Magician, right.
3: Yeah. So it's usually something different for every investigation. So if she she'll call off like one coordinator, I guess she has, that basically gets a team together to deal with this specific because every every problem's not the same, even though it sounds like it on the show. It's always the same shit. Yeah, you know, we're hearing noises. Right. You know. Things are moving on their own, blah, 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 I'm sick, everybody's sick, and now we're getting scratched. I mean, it's the same, you know.
0: The same routine, kind of, that she sees and she knows how to deal with. I'm going to do a couple more comments and questions in here. Uh, Bill Davis says, Steve knows when people are lying. He can tell (laughs) if the people believe what they're saying. NY homicide department trained. Absolutely. Nick Malay says, Steve and Amy know how to take care of business. I had a couple of questions in here. Uh, Tremania says, hello, Steve, from Montgomery, West Virginia. You and Amy are absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Let's do a couple of – oh, here's a question from Mike Cardenas that was something I was going to ask. Steve, have you ever had a client give you misleading information? So my question was going to be, have you ever met anybody that you thought was just totally fake in it?
3: Not totally fake. Um, can't really get into specifics, but
1: I—I right.
3: could say there's been a couple of people that have embellished. Right. And I've actually called them out on. Well, how could you see that if you told me you were sleeping? Because I always ask questions that they have no idea why I'm asking. Like, well, what side of the bed you sleep on? Right. Well side of it okay what did you see well I saw this thing corner up a wall well if you sleep on that side of a bed it would have been impossible to see from that position you know mm-hmm. what I mean right. so I'm not saying they're not going through it but I'm just saying everything's a demon to, to people going you know right. client's everything is caused by the paranormal so you know I people have embellished and people have, you know listen they want help and they'll say whatever I think they have to say to, to make you understand how intense it is for them Right. I'm not saying I don't think we've had anybody flat out lie to us. We we vet pretty well, mm-hmm. um, which takes a while. That's what takes us along to book cases. Uh our vetting takes a while, and um, you know, and I, and I talk to them on the phone way before we go out there. So it's
0: really so. What's the process yeah. if somebody reaches out to you and says, "This is what's going on. I need you and Amy to come out here." What can they expect, like from beginning to end?
3: Yeah, well, let me start off by saying don't reach out to me because people like, you know, they give their number and their, their, their uh, emails, and I'm like, I'm not going to contact you.
0: Negative.
3: Uh, we have that Help Me Dead Files website, which is on every one of my profiles on social media. All they got to do is click on it, and guess what? There's the form to submit your case, right? right. Uh, so then it goes to intake, and, you know, we have a, a few people working in the office that try to look through these things and see what's legit. Uh, stuff that's in the apartment buildings we can't do because you gotta get permission from everybody in the building. Right. You know, it's always about the lawyers, uh, not about, you know, what it boils down to. And so we can't, you'll never see us doing an apartment building. Um, we're very careful about businesses to make sure that they're trying to boost their failing business. Because right. I know, you know, paranormal can really boost somebody's business if people think the place is
0: haunted. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. So the vetting is pretty deep and intense. It goes to a process of, you know, a few people that go through the cases, then they bring it to an associate producer who then, you know, these guys work hard. I mean, they bust their ass trying mm-hmm. to figure out which cases are worth us going to. And I owe you, you know, my criteria is, is any kids and there's violence happening? That's a priority. One hundred percent. Or if there's anybody with, uh, you know, any kind of mental issues where, you know, let's say a kid, Kids uh, mentally retarded, and he's being tormented. Right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? You pass that one up to go to a some bar in the middle of nowhere. Right. So we look at those first, and you'll you've if you watch the show consistently, it's always a lot of the cases involve kids, and um, or if it's a business that's really. It's more like we did one in Palaka, Florida here outside of St. Augustine and that was a you know a bar owned by the guy's father and the father died and he just really wanted to keep the place mm-hmm. so you know there's a, there's a human emotion to some of these cases What you know even though it may be a business um, but it's hard to pick we do 13 episodes a season we got like 8,000 submissions
0: it's unbelievable I can't imagine the numbers that you guys have coming somebody posted a question uh, Gary Woodward says in the chat Steve, have you ever had a client where mental illness came into play during an investigation? If so, how should you approach that situation and handle it professionally?
3: Well, I mean, you're going to know if somebody's going to be coherent or not, if they're going to be able to be spoken to. I mean, that's why we do all the interviews. We do video interviews, and I have the office doing video interviews. You get a lot more by what we're doing right now. You can get a lot more feed off of their emotions we've had a couple of cases where I had to tell them we're not doing this episode you know you know producers were all upset well it's really good cases a lot of like I'm telling you right now this person's got issues and they're not on their medication you know so and or they're drunk every time you talk to them right you know we don't need that kind of hassle especially when we're going through great lengths to come out to a home so there have been cases where we didn't do the episode. We haven't had an issue with people on the show that have been clients in the past. So I mean, We have one or two that may have had issues that they're dealing with. Everybody's got issues today, right? Everybody's yeah. on Xanax yeah. or whatever the hell they're taking. So everybody's got something, but nothing to the extreme where it stopped us from filming or anything like that. We just didn't do those episodes. Right.
0: Because at that point, there's really nothing that you could do to step in and fix any of it.
3: No, not at that point. I mean, at that point, you got to, what I would call an EDP, the emotionally disturbed person. And you're trying to film and they're not cooperating and they're just losing their mind and, right. you know, they're, they're in a different world. How do you, first of all, there's no credibility there. Right. Uh, how do you say that these people are credible? You know, so, you know, you're, you're popping pills and you're telling me a pink elephant's are flying out the window and, you know, okay. I
0: Why do you that, think that, yeah. We learned that the hard way doing, when you first start out as a paranormal investigator, if you're doing like, the easiest thing to get are residential cases. People call you with their problems. And you learn really quickly that the scariest thing that you will encounter sometimes are not anything dead. It's going to be the living people in that house and what's going on with them. And I, I literally had a case once where I had to stop talking with a woman. Because she got to the point that she would call me every week and tell me these things that had happened. And what it really came down to was her husband has been diagnosed as schizophrenic. And it's like, I've been to your house how many times now? And you're just telling me this. This is dangerous. And you've just got to cut it off at the head and say, I can't do anything for you.
3: Imagine trying to film a TV show around that.
0: Right. There would be no way. (laughs)
3: Yeah. I mean, me and Amy consider ourselves marriage counselors at this point, with a lot of our clients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a, lot, there's a lot
3: more issues going on besides the paranormal. I mean, a lot of the stuff they blame on the paranormal, and I'm always the one to be the asshole and say, but well, listen, you've been married for 15 years, you got to hate each other at some point. <laughs>
0: Every married couple does. Everyone. Yeah. Don't let them yeah. lie to you if they say they don't.
3: <laughs> I'm like... Married for twenty six years. I know what marriage is all about. So don't bullshit me. You know, exactly. I'll tell people we all of a sudden we're fighting for no reason.
0: Okay. no, oh, no a, reason. Well, you having a reason.
3: money? Yeah. All right. Well, there's reason number one.
0: You know. Twenty six years. That's your reason. One hundred percent. So, do you remember your most? Ha- have there been any really extreme? or disturbing cases that you've experienced that have really stuck through with you through the years?
3: That's a tough question. Um, I gotta be honest because the ones that, well, there was one in Round Summit, North Carolina, uh, where the girl had mental, you know, physical and mental issues, she was bedridden, And she sobbed all day long. I mean, sobbed. That's all she did was cry. And I couldn't imagine these parents who were the sweetest, I mean, sweetest people ever. And all she wanted to, all she kept screaming was, I want them to take me, leave my family alone. And and this was somebody that was probably 21 but had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old. And it was heartbreaking. And, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I could take the blood, the gore, the shootings, somebody's head cut off. I could take all that, you know, in, in without batting an eye. But when you see people with, you know, mental handicaps and physical handicaps and, and you know, crying to, you know, leave my family alone, come take me. I and mean, that's heartbreaking, you know. And that one always sticks out for me. Well, the woman in Waxahachie, Texas, um, her husband had passed away, and she thought moving into the house, she's the, she was the reason that he died, because she wanted that house so much. And
0: I remember that episode.
3: Yeah. Uh, she's a sweet i don't see her anymore now because i'm on well for facebook but we always uh exchanged you know clothes and everything on messenger and stuff um you know people like it's more more the people and not the actual things that are going on there or stuff that amy might have found or sketches none of that stuff really sticks out to me because you know after all crime i've seen this stuff is and i don't try to make light of it but this stuff is really this is minor league stuff for me compared to the stuff I was dealing with before I did, you know, the show. Right. And, you know, so for me, it's not three dead bodies and two of them are kids and right. a whole family's, you know, kids sleeping in bathtubs because shots are coming through the doors. You know, right. stuff like that doesn't happen on the show. It's all about, you know, the paranormal. People are going through horrors, don't get me wrong. But for me personally, nothing more, nothing like that bothers me, but the clients that have issues or people within the the client family that, that have, you know, physical issues or mental issues that, you know, being tortured, that really drives me crazy.
2: So, Annie, guess what? What, I just got off the phone with Mike Diamond. You know, Mike Deli Meats. Deli Meats. Yeah, and he just told me that we have a Patreon set up.
0: We do have a
2: Patreon.
0: 100%. Hot diggity dog.
2: And we are so excited to be part of this Patreon with ParanormalWarehouse.com, because guess what? You can get our podcast exclusively a week early before everybody else gets to hear it. And that's pretty sweet.
0: Not just can you get Serial Spirits a week early, you can get all the shows that Paranormal Warehouse has to offer, plus all kinds of Paranormal Warehouse merch that is not available to the public. Patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse. Guys, this is where it's at. Live out your best quarantine days watching Paranormal Warehouse. You won't regret it.
2: Alex King from the American Ghost Hunter Show. He just got a sweet Serial Spirits tank top, and let me tell you what, his nipples do hang out of them.
0: His nipples have never looked better.
2: So become a patron today. Go to patreon.com forward slash paranormal warehouse. Get our show a week early with some other cool stuff.
0: You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Going back to being a homicide detective before this, other than the times that you've kind of used the help of a medium on some of these investigations, have you ever encountered anything that you would have considered paranormal or just really weird while you were a homicide detective? Something that just you were like, that's that's strange. That I can't put my finger on that one.
3: Yeah, we've had a couple of Santeria cases where there was alters made at crime scenes, or, you know, nothing extraordinary where you'd say to yourself, oh, this has definitely got to be a, a cult. You got to understand something. I worked in the city. Right. That occult shit happens in the suburbs, you know what <laughs> I mean? So most of our homicides are all ghetto homicides, you Please. know, all, you know, drug dealers <laughs> shooting each other up. And, you know, the occasional psycho cutting people's heads off. But uh, we. Yeah, we didn't have the, uh, the weird stuff that the suburb cops get, you know, we, we did have a couple, of, I remember there was a rookie cop going into a, uh, a building in Brooklyn on Atlantic Avenue, and there was a dead body there, and uh, the guy's throat was cut, and he had a claw hammer, he got hit in the head with the claw hammer, and he left the hammer in his head, but they slit his throat, and then there was a couple of chicken feet and candles, and like this little altar, so we found out it was Santa Santeria. Right. And my partner, I still talk to my partner. You know, almost every week we talk all the time. And uh, I remember, we it was just when a movie came out. I forget what the name of the movie. Bill Pullman was in it, and uh, it was something to do with Santa Rita. Me and him were watching the movie together. we were like, Oh my God, it's just like that crap we saw a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. But nothing, nothing that'll you know. Other than that, it's all it's all really basically street. Homicides and right. crimes that
1: I felt street with street
0: stuff, but we're gonna start officially a hashtag right now suburb Santeria for Steve. <laughs> suburb Santeria, if you guys see anything on Instagram, hashtag that for Steve, just because, just because we can. So, okay, let's get kind of personal for a second and ask if you've ever been on any of these cases. Where you felt like some type of activity followed you back home?
3: No, nothing. 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 I get that question a lot. Really, Steve? Something following you home? I'm like, I worry about the living following me home. Not, not nothing with the what,
0: yeah, 100. So what I are, got
3: mirrors in my garage, facing the door because I'm paranoid. Not from the paranormal. Right. I'm worried about something up on me while my back is working on my workbench. Yeah, but I got yeah. mirrors i got two guns in there in case something happens no, 100%. so you know i don't worry about the and i live alone and you know if something spooky is going to happen it's going to happen but i've never had you know i've never had an issue and i don't worry about it people people are like don't you cleanse or do a what's the thing with the bush what's the, the bush thing the sage you're like right. sage the that's sage? it the no, bush sage? <laughs> You don't yeah, do like any type like, of
0: cleansing ever. No I,
3: don't, no, I don't do any of
1: that crap, no. Really? No.
0: So why no. do you think nothing ever follows you home? Is it your skepticism? Is it your realism? Or you well, are just so, like, this is nothing compared to what I've dealt with in the past?
3: Well, I think it's a little bit of everything. It's it's. Um, I've been told by other mediums that I've been around that I am a diffuser. Hmm. which okay. When you walk into a room where there's paranormal, the paranormal seems to leave. It happened when I was in Ocala at the Seven Sisters Inn. I was there, you know, because they asked me to come up there. And, you know, hang out with people. They had a ghost hunt and everything. And I was in one of the rooms. And each team had a medium with them. Mm-hmm. Every time they came in the room where I was, the medium looks right at me like, I oh, forget, it. there's nothing going on in this room. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Going on. Meanwhile, we're hearing screams throughout the whole building and all kinds of things.
1: You and people are coming in, it was good because I got a, a chance
3: dog. to chat with some fans and everything, so yeah. it wasn't too big. So yeah, just, but I, I don't worry about it. I think my personality might have something to do with
1: it. I don't know.
0: Or maybe they see your, maybe they feel your, I don't want to say aura for lack of a better word, but maybe they realize what you've done with your life and they're like, oh man, just forget this one. He's not going to be affected by anything that we do. Just scratch it, move on to the next.
1: Yeah.
3: And Amy will always say that, you know, these the bad ones usually go after people that are vulnerable, they're sick right. or they're going through mental stress. And I mean, I go through mental stress on a daily basis, but I don't act like I'm going through stress. You know what I mean? I keep I keep it all bottled up inside. I worry, you know, I, I don't show my stress.
1: Right.
3: Uh, so for me, it's just uh, I have just have an attitude that, you know, you know, you want to want to mess with me, bring it on. You know, right. we're, we're going to fight, you know you know, one way or another, but I don't worry about, I really don't worry about the paranormal whatsoever. Even when I go to these locations, Uh, you know, again, my whole life, nobody, a lot, uh, nobody dead, ever try to kill me. You know, so.
0: And that's understandable completely. What you have been through in your life here is nothing compared to. Uh,
3: No, no. Anything that you
0: would experience there.
3: Yeah, that's why I, I get a little, I don't get offended, I just I have a hard time when fans go, oh, you and me a heroes for doing what you're doing, and, and, and I'm anything but, I was a hero at one time, I've done a few things in my life that you could say yeah, I was a hero, and I'm not about to talk about it, but I've done my hero stuff. Yeah. This stuff I'm doing now is not heroic. You know, we're getting paid to do a job, like everybody else does, I got paid to do that job as well, but... I'm not a hero for trying to help people. A hero is somebody that, you know, cures cancer and invents a, a medicine so somebody doesn't have to have open heart surgery. Right. That's a hero to me. Not not a football player. Not a, you know None of these sports people. No actor or actress is a hero, in my opinion. Right. They can all suck it. I hate them all.
1: Because
3: <laughs> they, you know, they just have this opinion of themselves that whatever they think is more important than anybody else's opinion. Right. That just drives me crazy. And, and and I, I don't take offense from the fans. I, I get that they're they're loyal and they really appreciate what we do. But calling us heroes—it just—it I can't—it sits bad with me. I just can't.
0: Really.
3: I can't swallow that pill.
0: Yeah. Certainly. Even if there's somebody that you and Amy go into their house and you say, "Once you guys," they say, "Once you guys left, everything changed, and I felt empowered, if nothing else, to take yeah. care of this." I mean at, at that point, you're that person's hero.
3: Yeah, I get that. I mean Amy's the hero in that case. It's not really so much me. I provide a service where my information helps Amy figure out what the hell who it was, which right. helps her in turn figure out how to handle it. Right. But that's that's that good that's the reason I'm still doing the show is that feeling of helping somebody and you know at the end of the night and I talk to a lot of clients still from time to time on private messenger or even if I have their numbers we talk a lot um, and they're doing good and you know so for me that feeling of helping somebody is the same feeling I you know when I told the mother listen I got the guy that killed your son right. or you know we, we, we got the guy that robbed you um, and we got some of your stuff back you know that that's the feeling I get when I when at the end of the night we, can, we have good news Right. You know, but Then there's those nights Amy says you got to get out, and, they, and you can see the look on their face, and it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how at that point you just kind of move on from it and say, but then that's where Amy's team steps in and, and helps people well, kind of diffuse the situation.
3: Yeah, I mean, we don't leave them with no hope. If, if there's a way to fix it, there's a way, you know, we're going to help them out with that. But as far as if Amy says you got to leave, it's right. like there's really not much you can do after that, you know. And they were on their own,
0: you know. Has there ever been anybody that Amy said, you need to get out, like, yesterday because it's really bad. And they've messaged you later and said, she was 100% right, we left, and nothing's happened?
3: No, I haven't had anybody reach out to me like that. They may have reached out to Amy Mm -hmm. or somebody in her team, but nobody's reached out to me. I've, you know, a, a lot of times when the episode's coming on, the, the client will reach out, hey, our episode's on this week, you know. Right. You know, and I, you know and, But we had been talking probably prior to that. And a lot of times they're doing a lot better than it says at the end of the show because, you know, they call five weeks after we leave. And if they didn't get nothing done, yeah. the, the, the activity continues. Right. The only thing was somebody called, and now it's in the edit bay, and that's it. And right. They're not going to change it.
1: Right.
3: Uh, which drives me insane. Now we've been doing these video things at the end of the episodes, which is pretty cool. Uh, fans seem seem to like that a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, people want to know what happens to them afterwards. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Are these follow ups like what happened to these people? If you just did one whole follow up, a season of follow up shows.
3: Well, we did. We used to do uh, Dead Files Revisited.
0: Oh yeah, we Revisited, did. right?
3: Did seasons of it, three seasons, and the network uh, didn't want to do anymore.
0: And see, that surprises me because I think those are a lot of things that people who are really into these shows want to see. They want to know how these cases turned out. I I don't
3: know what the reasoning, and I'm sure it was a budget thing when it came to the network. Um, I know the ratings were good for those episodes. Yeah. Uh, And we got to see the actual stuff that these clients, I mean, you know, witches coming in with all kinds of stuff and, you know, an exorcism. It was some wild stuff on those Revisited episodes and the fans were eating it up and out of nowhere some network executives like, some bean counter obviously, like, we're not going to do this anymore. So, I don't know, we have a new network that, well Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, you know, I don't know if it's something we want to bring back up to them or if it's something, you know, that's not for me to make a decision on. But I would love to see those revisit episodes come back.
0: I would too, it, because I, people, especially people who are really hardcore into the paranormal,
3: because well, we could do those episodes without going back out in the field. Amy could, I could do like a, what they call green screen stuff, and they have another team that goes out there and just films. So it doesn't involve a whole crew of guys and, right. and talent going out there. So it's got to be a lot less expensive, I would think, to do those episodes. I, you know, in my I opinion. Think so too. They were fan. With, they were hit with the fan. People tell me all the time, "Why don't you do thing where you go back?" I'm like, "Yeah, we did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we visiting. did. I remember that." Uh, Roseanne Romano asked in the chat, "Have you ever gone to a home and had absolutely nothing happen?"
3: No, no. We well, good. nothing happened as far as Amy, because nothing happens when I'm there. But uh,
1: right.
3: nothing. We haven't had a show where Amy didn't get. Involved with the paranormal at some point, we and it all boils down to our vetting. Right. The vetting is very intense, and and I told them early on, I'm not going to do this show if you're going to make it. You make it a joke because if we're going to make it a joke, I'm walking away. You know, my reputation is more important to me and my integrity than than because I'm not making any life-changing money here. (laughs) You know, this is not. People think uh, you know. If I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me for money, I I wouldn't need money. So TV
0: is, there's not that much money in TV. I don't yeah. not what people think.
3: No, not nothing. what
0: people think at
3: for, all. For good living, yes. Does most of it go to my ex-wife? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, you know, but you know, if, you know, if if I was single and never been married, and no, that you know, maintenance money and all this other stuff, I'm paying out. Yeah, I'd I have a decent living and I, you know, I drive a nice car and everything's nice, but I'm not out buying a boat. I don't live on a ocean. You know, I live on the water, but it's nothing fancy here. Um, I live in a very humble, modest home. You know, people seem to think that whatever they read on Google, the Google, as I call right, it.
0: Right, the Googles. Yeah. So during your tenure on the Dead Files, What do you think has been your biggest learning experience working on these cases? Do you find that the detective takes over when you investigate? Or have you changed your methods to accommodate the spiritualism, the supernatural factors that are involved in all of this?
3: Well, I haven't changed my line of questioning, which I never, you know... If I'm investigating a crime, like I consider what we do is investigating the crime and the paranormal is the perpetrator, um, the way I have to ask questions on the show because of the show itself, I would never in life ask the questions in the order I asked them, Right? not in a
1: million
3: years would I ever question people in the same order that I do on the show. So I've had to change my... Line of questioning to adhere to the show's best interest as far as telling a storytelling,
1: right.
3: as producers call it. Right. So it, that frustrates me because it, the way I investigated cases, thousands of thousands of cases on the police department, I would never ask in a million years the questions in the order I ask them on the show. Right. So for me, that's a, and I still have problems with it. I still have a mm-hmm. learning curve. Because it's muscle memory even though it's the brain. It's still a muscle memory for me right. it, it goes against my every grain to ask questions in the order. I'm asking them. So I've had to change my way for that. I don't ask any I don't get into the whole paranormal thing other than the questions like what you actually witnessed mm-hmm. um, You know, I'll ask if they've done renovations stuff like that's questions. I would have never asked in a real investigation right. You know like a, a real crime investigation not a paranormal case you know, I'll ask questions like, have you done any reservations, renovations, have you done any research on the house, stuff like that. But I've had to adhere to TV stuff right. for the show, which is frustrating. But I get it, though. I understand why they need it that way, because what, they're the ones that have to put this all together, right? Producers and, and the editors are the ones that have to do all this crap. We film 80 hours of footage that they got to put into 42 to 44 minutes. Right. I film 70 hours of that.
0: It's a lot of work. A lot of work. That day at Lake Shawnee was probably the hottest day in existence. It was horrible. And, you know, you're out there and you're just... But it goes to show how much work goes into all of this. And these guys are literally out there just covered in sweat (laughs) and miserable. And still just (laughs) the cameras and the whole nine just... It's unbelievable what goes into shooting one single episode.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you weren't know, there for the, most of the day, but you would have you saw, I mean, that was just one part of a very long day for me, right. you know. That's why I laugh when people are like, "Oh, you're in someone's such location. You should go see this and you should go see." And when am I supposed to do that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know? who's got the time or the yeah. or the will I'm to do a, some of that?
3: Working. Yes. When you're at work, do I tell you go to the museum down the block and, and go to...
0: You know? Yeah, no. There's no time. There's zero time to do anything like that when you're in the field working on one of these. Do you remember anything specific about Lake Shawnee or Dr. Grimes? Anything about West Virginia heritage that you kind of took back with you after all was said and done? Or
3: Well, it's a lot more beautiful part of the country that people have any idea about it. It is an mean? absolutely gorgeous state and I think West Virginia gets that bad rap of being redneck and we not do. educated and no teeth and I'm
1: like,
3: you know, and I had never been to West Virginia before, uh, I've made driven through there but never been there um, before mm-hmm. the show as far as like spending some time there. I actually like West Virginia a lot it's a cool. There's not much to do there. I mean, where we were staying, yeah. I think the Chick Fil A was the or the Sheets, sheets. gas station, the five star restaurant in town. We have sheets
0: on every corner in West Virginia. Yeah. It's incredible.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was it was not a good place. Uh, that's the only problem with the with the areas we, we <laughs> investigated. I mean, there's really not much around. You know, when the Chick Fil A is the the main restaurant in town, you know <laughs> you got a problem.
0: You gotta <laughs> love that Polynesian sauce here <laughs> in West oh, <yeah>. Virginia. <laughs> so let's talk about the crew for just a second you guys have this huge crew that follows you around do you recall anybody in the crew ever being really disturbed or saying that they have taken something home from one of these cases
3: no but no nothing like that but we did have one of our production managers in the merchant cafe in Seattle who saw an apparition in the kitchen downstairs in the basement while we were doing the reveal upstairs, which I thought was pretty cool. Really? Yeah. I considered him a credible guy, a serious guy. So,
1: yeah,
3: you know, he wasn't shaken up by it, but he was more like, wow, you know, Yeah. you know, and just recently, uh, I'm actually, we actually filmed it and it was in Pennsylvania and I talk to Maggie all the time. She's one of our clients in, in Pennsylvania. She's a sweet kid. I love it at that. She, uh, our, our production coordinator, Joe, was going into the house to prepare for us to come do the reveal, and he heard somebody walking around upstairs, but nobody was home. So, you know, we put it on film later on. You know, because I just kind of questioned him; I wasn't there for it, but he, he had a legitimate paranormal experience.
0: And see, those are the things that's like the behind the scenes stuff. I think yeah, was, and that, are
3: doing. Yeah. yeah, we've been filming stuff like talking about it on camera. I mean, it doesn't go into the show, but uh, I think the Travel Channel's website or the whatever, they put all these little clips on there, which is pretty cool.
0: Lake Shawnee we, is...
3: Gotta say, I just want to share Travel Channel since Discovery took over Discovery Channel has really shown us a lot of support.
0: And that's phenomenal. And they should, because you guys have a huge fan base that wants to see the show continue because of the compassion. That you have, and that Amy have, for these people that you go in and help, you have a decade of experience now going into these locations, and you really are helping these people, whether you realize it or not. In the moment, I think.
3: Oh no, no, I, I do know that we are helping yeah. them. Uh, I just don't feel we're heroes about it, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, everyday heroes are our nurses and our, you know our school teachers, our cops, our firemen, our paramedics, right? You know, those are people are on the line every day. So for me and Amy, I don't know. I just, I just, but the fact that we're helping somebody does is the only reason I'm still doing the show and be very blunt about it. Right. The only reason I'm still doing the show is because of the gratification I get of helping our clients. Right. Because it's not for the money, I can tell you that. It ain't for the great hotels I'm in, because right. that's not happening. Right. It's not for the, you know, being on the road for 16 days at a time. People think I live a glamorous life. I mean, it sucks. I mean, this road life. I'm 57 years old. And I'm the oldest person on the crew, because mm. I consider myself one of the crew, right? Right. And for me, it's like, you know, packing your bags, getting, getting on a plane, unpacking your bags, going to work, ironing your clothes at night. Right. Five days later, after seven days later, after filming 14-hour days, I'm packing again. I'm getting on another plane. You know, wow. people think it's glamorous. I'm not staying at the Ritz-Carlton in the south of France. Mm. I'm in Freaking show Missouri, out of Hampton Inn. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't you're see where the Chick-fil-A glamour comes.
0: West Virginia every night for a week. I mean, come on. Uh,
3: we were that was Look. the place we were staying was like like just, you blinked your eyes and the town was gone. That was it. We back on roads with trees. That was Literally. it.
0: Literally. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the the same area that I've said. I've I've been to Lake Shawnee several times, and it, it's most likely the same area. Literally, you you blink and it's yeah. you're through it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's over. So I guess moving forward with the Dead Files, the future, what can we expect from that? What would you like to see come out of that? Do you want to do another five years, ten years?
3: I don't think I can do another ten years. I mean, I, I can see myself doing maybe another four or five years. I think I can do it. I don't know. Physically, it takes a toll on me, mm-hmm. it really does, wow. physically, uh, and I know it sounds, you know, it doesn't sound manly, but the, the traveling is, is it gets to me. Um, even though right now it kind of sucks being home and not getting, you know, not being able to work, the traveling gets to me, and um, I think it's the accommodations, the lousy hotels. I mean, we get to a hotel and, you know, you get on that bed and you're like, oh, i got to stay a week in this friggin' bed, and you're like, oh. Yeah. You know, the pillows. You're in a king size bed, but the pillows this big, <laughs>
1: right.
3: and they're all and they're all, you know, they're like this. I'm like, it's a throw pillow at best, and you <laughs> and you put this on a king size bed. Give me. And a then pillow. you ask for something, and they're like, they come up with one. Yes. Yeah.
0: Somebody get Steve a pillow. One of those. Just, yeah. just give yeah. him a pillow to travel with. That's all we ask. Yeah.
3: But to answer your question, I don't think I could do another five years. I could probably do another couple. Um. Although in five years I stopped paying my ex wife, so if we can go more, maybe five So we're days.
0: shooting for five tops. Shooting
3: for five, just to. Just I'm throwing a big ass party, too.
0: So, what do you think has been the biggest lesson, the biggest reward, besides helping people? I guess the biggest lesson that the dead files. Has taught you, or just the paranormal in general, has taught you about life.
3: That's a good question. I'm asked that question. Um, I don't know if I've been taught anything as far as life experience goes. I, I think my questions about the paranormal have heightened to the point, like, well, I hope when I die, that doesn't happen to me. Right. I never thought about that before. I thought, you know, because I was raised Catholic, right? Right. You know. Catholic boy from Brooklyn, Italian, right? You, you're bad. You go to hell. No. If you're not that bad, you go to purgatory for a little while, and then they take you upstairs. Yes. But now it's like, oh, oh, shit. Do I do I walk around in my debt state now? Yes. So these are the things that I never thought about before. That I'm like, hmm. I do I have unresolved issues? I got volumes. <laughs> I may be stuck here for a
1: long time. After
3: I'm I die. never leaving. Well, yeah, who the hell knows? You know, uh, but, you know. I think that's what it's taught me. It's 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 more more of a concern that uh, if all this is really the deal, that uh, you know, I just want to die. And I, I've been good most for the most part. I've, I've lived, led a pretty good life. I should be going upstairs. I would hope. I mean, me and Amy are dying to do international stuff. We've been dying to do it for ten years.
0: Somebody <laughs> asked that question earlier. Have you ever considered going to <laughs> Europe or anywhere international?
3: Consider it, want to do it, but the network for some reason and the production company seems to, we don't have the budget for it. Right. Every other freaking show out there seems to have the budget for it, but we don't. You know, we, we said, all right, let's go to, you know, let's go to England. We could do three episodes in a row in England. It's got to be cheaper to be uh, keep us there for three weeks straight. Right. You know, and I know England's, oh, we have a lot of fans in England. We have a lot of fans in Wales. We've got a lot yes. of fans in, in Scotland.
0: Yes, 100%. So, People would watch that. People need to actually start petitioning right now for Steve to go overseas.
3: Yeah, if, when I hear this budget thing, I, I mean, I look at these other shows. They're in. Who's here? Who's there? You know, they, they sent us to Jamaica in August. Thank you. And then sent us to Hawaii in July. And then sent us to Flint, Michigan in January. So you tell me what they're doing with us. I think it's, like a, it's almost Cheap like a torture flight. episode. Cheap
0: flights, maybe, is how they're. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going through to see if we have any last questions. Here's a good one from Chris T. What would you choose to do if you weren't doing the show anymore?
3: Not a damn thing. I am very...
0: <laughs> Watching the tell show you, come up.
3: My, my, everybody asks me like, you know, a lot of questions I get it like, what are your hobbies? And you know, what do you like to do? Or, my house is my hobby. Um, you know, just, and this all falls back into my personal life where I had to rebuild after a very, very bad divorce and everything was, I mean, everything was taken away from me. And I lost a lot of money. And I had to rebuild slowly. And I think now that I have my own home again and, I, and I'm able to make it the way I want to, uh, like I put in a, a new driveway a couple of, like a month ago or so. And to me, that was like the, one of the happiest weeks I've had. I just kept going out there and staring at it. You know, because I'm, I'm a mental case and, I'm you know, I, this is the kind of stuff that excites me. You know, I'm too old to go out clubbing. Time. I don't do that crap. You know, give me a good cigar at the cigar bar. I got great friends around me. I love to fish. I'd love to get a boat eventually one day. Um, I want to put a pool in the house. But these are all things that cost money. And, you know, I don't have that kind of money to, to, to just throw away on that stuff. Um, maybe when I'm 62, who knows? Things may change.
0: <laughs> After that five years let's get her paid yeah back. but
3: honestly i, just, I, I you know, if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for having to self in quarantine which i'm past that now i'm out and about because um, we're open up now all the restaurants here are open at 50% capacity now which is good but uh, for me um, i did my time i already i already feel like i feel, fulfilled my career goals you know i was a police you know was a homicide detective in the biggest city in the world and Now I did the show, I mean, you know, after this, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know, go back to doing security? I mean, I can't do that. Uh, So for me, if I didn't have to work, uh, I'd like to consult maybe on some TV shows or consult on a cop movie, stuff like that. That would interest me because it'd be behind the scenes, not in front of the camera. (laughs) You know what I
1: mean?
3: Because I'm pretty much done from being in front of the camera. Um... But I don't think I'd want to do another TV show. I mean, we tried, we tried doing a show called Blue, Blue Plate uh, It was just me talking about food and cops and everything
1: mm-hmm.
3: and it went all the way up the ladder and then one guy, everybody wanted to do the show and then one guy in the old network said no. You know, because after the show ends, maybe after we've gone on and kept doing that, because that would have been a lot easier, it took like three days to film one episode, so yes. it was great. Um, Not the I don't know. I know if I didn't, if it, if it, what, I may have to work. That's the only problem.
0: <laughs> Nobody wants to work. We no. don't want to retire, I mean, especially after COVID. I can't imagine the dead files going on with anybody but you and Amy. Though I can't imagine anybody stepping into those shoes. I think once one of you is finished, you like there would have to be this agreement that this is where we end it. Like. This yeah. has been an amazing run of, of TV and we've helped a lot of people and we're finished. Yeah.
3: It's funny you say that uh, because when we got picked up for season two, I originally, initially was not gonna come back for season two Really? because I didn't care for the way I was portrayed okay. in season one. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm gonna go back to work, you know, do my stuff, what I do and, you know, I don't need this crap. And I basically was begged to come back to do it, and uh, and they basically said if either I or Amy didn't come back, they weren't going to go on with the show. Yeah. Because I think they saw the chemistry between the two of us, um, and it worked. And I think you're right about that. I don't think there may be a spin-off show with a couple of other people doing something similar,
1: mm-hmm.
3: but I don't think you can replace now either me or Amy no. as far as on the show, or even Matt for that
1: matter. You know, you've been. Mm-hmm.
0: No, you're, you're 10 years into this. People have gotten used to your rhythm and they respect how you do this. And there's a level of that that you can't replace. You couldn't bring somebody else in and do the same thing that you guys do together. It just, it wouldn't work. The synchronicity no, is not there.
3: No, I, and I agree with that. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of, sometimes when, I, when you say I agree with that, it may sound arrogant, but it's not really. It's just coming from a, Standpoint though, it wouldn't work. It, it would be really weird. like when Two and a Half Men changed and they brought that other Kushner guy in. I, I stopped watching the show. It didn't Nobody work care. for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it was it just not, weird.
3: Yeah, did not work.
0: It's like when they replace people on soap operas, like halfway through the season. At the very beginning, they they give this disclaimer: the the part of so and so is now being played by, and it's like, no, that's I'm done. I'm done with it.
3: Well, I, I watched this show called Forged and Fire, and it's been on for about four years now. Yeah, about four years. And I love this show to death. I, I tape it, I watch it all the time. And once in a while, they'll change up one of the guys in the show, but for the most part, there's four people, three are constant, and I think if they change those guys, mm-hmm. the whole dynamic of that show would just be like, I'm here to watch this guy, Right. you know? Watch his, how each one has their own specific personality that is kind of cool. Yeah. And I think when they replace these people, it just... Is
0: I think the, it, it where it the went guys hard. are making swords and you see them, like, tested, like, they're slicing oh. through watermelon? <laughs>
1: they, you know, they're beating, you know, steel
3: drums, and these guys working so hard and they break the tip off and they're like, uh-oh. Yeah,
1: it's a great job.
0: That is 100%. Let's read the last few comments in here because you've, we've had so many in here that I, I can't keep up with him tonight. Jay Lynch, who's a friend of ours says, y'all are two of the most awesome people I have ever had the privilege of meeting. Um, I pre- Chris T. Says, yes. it's a trust thing and you have the viewer trust. And I 100% agree with that. And Goff says you and Amy are so good together. You mesh very well. Sam Henderson says it wouldn't be a show without them, we're so happy that you did this um, I mean, it's just people love you guys and they love the t- they love you separately and they love the two of you together obviously
3: Yeah, it's funny because it's like there's the Steve fan base and there's the Amy fan base and there's the fan base for both of us right. but uh, it's pretty cool
0: um, Laura Marini, who is uh, somebody that I had the privilege of working with um, another producer says, have you found cops are more open to using psychics these days, or do you catch some ribbing from this?
3: Well, the cops I've interviewed on the show, I've had the occasional, you really believe this shit, you know, right. with, 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 with what she's swinging here. And my answer to them is, you know, bro, if I didn't believe her, I wouldn't be doing the show.
1: Yeah, right.
3: And, and the same thing is all I have. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'm, I've been out of the game so long, I haven't, you know, I got a lot of respect from law enforcement, a lot more now, the ones I interview on the show than I did before because uh, they didn't know what we were all about. They sort of, do and not to take anything away from any other paranormal show, but we're, we're more of a docudrama than a than anything else, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's a, almost a documentary in the history part of it. Right. And Amy brings the drama, you know. So, um, for me, it's, uh, you know, the cops seem to be a little more open and, you know, more interested, like, wow, does she really do this? I'm like, yeah, bro, she does, you know. So I don't know how agencies are feeling about it these days. Um, You know, if they're taking any advice or any information from psychics today. And I get reached out all the time by uh, mediums and psychics and say, Steve, I have some information on a case. How do I approach the detective that has the case? Or how do I tell them? I say, you gotta do it on the DL. You gotta really just call the guy and say, listen, I'm not a nut. This is, I have these abilities. I don't know if it's gonna mean anything to you, but could we meet and talk about information I may have on a case you're working on? And if the guy says no way in hell, then he's an asshole. Or right. well, she's an asshole. Right. Not at least listening. Right. But if you're really gonna solve a case and you're having problems and somebody's coming to you with any kind of information You don't at least listen to it. You're an asshole, right? So I that's not happening out there, but I understand the stigma of it uh, Like I could have never told my bosses. I was talking to a psychic. I always met these people away from the the, the office, you know, I couldn't What are you crazy? What are you, what are you, that's all, you know, jumbo b- bull crap. and I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever but you know, listen if you're open-minded you never know. You may get that open minded cop or that open minded detective that'll be willing to listen. So I'm hoping it's a lot more now than it was, before, you know, like it was 30 years ago when I first came on. Oh, 30, right? 37, I would have had 37 years on the job right now.
0: I remember something from Dr. Grimes' office that I thought was kind of this very, I guess, poignant memory. And it went back to some things that Amy touched on in that episode. And the girl that she felt had been abused by her father or even murdered by her father there, um, they're actually buried locally here. It's probably 15, 20 minutes from here. And after we investigated there and after I watched that episode, uh, a friend of mine and I drove out there to her gravesite. And to see her buried next to her father, who was the man that Amy said murdered her. And in fact, the evidence that you turned up led you in a direction that that was kind of what was believed, too, that he had something to do with it. It made what you guys do on this show very real from that personal Standpoint because you're literally standing there looking at this girl's grave and thinking, You guys talked about this, and Amy picked that up on there, and now you're standing there over top of her and her father. It was a very real moment of paranormal investigating for us.
3: I imagine it would be. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was more personal than,
0: yeah, it it was personal. And all of these, I would think, would. Or at least a a big portion of them would affect you guys in that way, this kind of personal manner.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm affected by, uh, uh, yeah. For some reason, women like to cry in front of me. I don't know what it is. I just make them. They must see my face, and they're doing some on cry. cry. They just, uh, (laughs) you know, they just uh, open up and they cry and they tell me stuff that um, they don't even tell their own husbands, and that's that's a hard.
1: Yeah.
3: It's a little. It's. It's very, you have to be very responsible about that, too. You can't just take it as, all right, she's just talking to me. I mean, if she's right. a woman or even a man is is telling you something that they've been holding back and haven't told anybody else, you know, it's a big responsibility to make sure you take that information and, and let them understand that it's okay, you can talk to me.
1: Right.
3: I'm never going to judge you. you know? And that's not easy to do. I, You know, because most cops, well, most people they're rough around the edges, you know, and they, they don't know how to empathize, you know, and I think that's a quality that's missing in a lot of people. It is. is. empathy,
0: yeah. Yeah, empathy is something that I feel like we lack as a culture now and something that it's, you
3: know. Yeah, because this is our culture now. Right. That's the culture. Right. You know, when, I'm, when I hang out with the guys, we have a thing. First person on the phone gets a slap.
0: <laughs>
3: Rightfully. Unless it's a call from one of the kids or something like that. If you're just looking through Facebook, then your phone's going to go out the window. Yeah. you know. So we, we don't pull that crap.
0: And when we're together, respect. we make
3: sure we talk to each other
0: right.
1: and put the phones yeah. down. You
3: it's, know?
0: it's a mutual respect, and I think we've we've lost that a lot because of social media and because oh. of our culture, 100%. Yeah,
3: This younger generation is shot. They have no people skills whatsoever. Right. Uh, and The ones that do are going to soar way above and beyond than the rest of them that just don't even know how to talk to people.
0: I agree yep. with that 100%. Which is Yeah. It is sad. And, and it's something that, you know, we just, we have to kind of, you got to instill that in your people. Instill that in your children and, and live it in your day-to-day life, even if it means deleting your Facebook, right? Yeah, well,
3: I didn't delete it. I did deactivate it, though. Deactivate. And I
0: you, yeah. Some, and sometimes I, you got to step I, away.
3: It's a euphoric feeling because, you know, because yeah. I have a responsibility in my opinion, like I have fans out there that we, we respond to a post. I always have to read everything they write. I have to, you know, I try to like them all, but, uh, it's a lot of work for me. You know, yeah. I spent, you know, I want to spend a couple hours a day just going through, you know, what is a joke because very yeah. few people respond to anything. You may get a, few, a couple thousand likes, but Instagram, you get a lot, yeah, a lot more interaction and plus I'm more myself. I'm not with the, you know, it's not about the show. Right. It's my personal life. It's me having fun with fans. and uh, posted videos with me and my buddy Ray. It's the, the new thing out now the Stephen Ray Show. It's yeah. not a show, but it's like the fans. Are, we can't wait for the next Stephen Ray video because he's a character, and we, we just uh, we have a lot of fun together.
0: It's not TikTok, but it's still really good. <laughs> yeah,
3: not, not Don't see me on TikTok. No, maybe on YouTube one day. Who knows?
0: See, I'm going to ask you one last question, and I have to say a huge thanks to everybody who has watched tonight, who has asked questions. I know I didn't get to all of them, but you guys are phenomenal, and it's been an overwhelming um, love and respect for you guys in the chat room tonight, 100%. People love what you do. They love what you've been doing for the last decade. Let's say 10 years now, 20 years from now, when you're finished with it, when Amy's finished with it, when the dead files, you know, are our reruns that we watch with our kids, what's the one thing that you hope people take away from that the most? Oh, that's
3: when
1: well, you're getting
3: deep. Um, I think that we were professional and 100%. We, we, we put 110 percent in everything we did to help clients yeah. and that we were ourselves we were we weren't fake we weren't acting and that we took it serious and our main goal was to help people not to try to become hollywood like i never expected me to be a celebrity i hate you i hate using that word yeah. but yeah i think that would be the, the main thing is that, that you know we were true to ourselves and we did a good job in helping people, and we worked, and we did it at one hundred and ten percent.
0: You maintained your integrity, which is hard to yeah. do in this field, but you have—you really oh. have.
3: I wouldn't. I still would. I, I wouldn't do it, and the producers knew it. I said, "Listen, I'm not going to do the show if I can't be me." Yeah. You know, and you know, going back to the accent, a lot of networks turned me down, turned us down because of my accent. Meanwhile, that's like a big draw for the show now, yeah. which you know, all kicking themselves in the ass.
0: What did they expect? You're from the Bronx, or, Brook- Bronx or oh, Brooklyn, Bro- Brooklyn, sorry, I don't know, my-,
1: <laughs>
0: my boyfriend is from Staten Island, he's probably cringing right now, he's like, oh my god, I can't believe you West Virginians get- don't know the difference, <laughs> it's a big, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I know you guys are on hiatus right now, but yeah. do we know when the Dead Files is coming back, can we expect when we're going to see new episodes?
3: Well, we filmed two episodes for season 13 and got shut down. Mm -hmm. So we're supposedly may go back out in July. It's still up in the air. We may. uh, You got to understand from beginning, from the end of the episode, it takes usually about five and a half months between the editing and everything else before it can be ready for air. Right. So I'm not seeing, and not just us, I don't see any new shows coming back before... I don't see anything before the beginning of
1: 2021
3: oh yeah. yeah yeah um they may be able to put the two new episodes but why post those two ones those two episodes rather right and then have nothing. And nothing no we could, you know and this is where those revisited episodes would have came in handy it would have been in the box and you know they could Absolutely. have been filming we would have been a hit because there were new shows you know
0: yeah so if anybody's watching right now this will be the perfect time to wrap that kind of stuff up seriously
3: Yeah, I don't see it anything before 2021 and if it is it'd be a miracle. Yeah, really would Unfortunately, I mean, it's not just us though,
0: right? Yeah, that's that's just where we're at right now But as long as you're coming back, we know we have something to be hopeful for then we're all very grateful
3: We hope it's a It's a good hope, you know, so uh, I hate to get it out there and then we get shut down again. That's what I'm worried about.
0: We gotta, you know. yeah, we've gotta be careful, guys. Please keep your social distancing. It, it's just a mutual respect for everybody right now, for everybody's well-being.
3: Well, it's, it, you know, they talk about the new normal, and I hate that word because,
0: I, I refuse yeah. to believe it that way. It, it's, yeah, no.
3: Well, to walk no. around with a, a, a society of masks? It's ridiculous.
0: It is, it, it's terrible, so. Hopefully if we can, you know, maintain our maintain our respectfulness, then we can we can resume our normal soon.
3: Just have common sense all it takes. Common no. sense.
0: Wash your hands, people. It's all it yeah. takes. Wash your hands.
1: Not that hot.
0: It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Steve Shabby, you are always a joy. You're welcome to come on here anytime. People have had a blast asking questions tonight. I wish I could get to all of them. But and
3: yeah, I gotta tell You did an incredible job. I know what it's like to try to do an interview and talk and monitor. You did a fantastic job. That's not an easy job to do by yourself. Well,
0: thank you. We do this because we love the people who watch. We love you guys. You know, we've watched you for years, a decade now, on TV. And from my standpoint, you never think you're going to get to talk to people and ask these questions. And so it's just, it's an absolute pleasure every time every time and you've always been one of the easiest people to talk to
3: yeah i try to be just a regular guy i'm you know it was always are nice to me, i i'd be nice back it's easy <laughs> it's not that hard <laughs> just
0: don't be rude just don't be rude <laughs> guys i want to thank everybody for watching we're gonna let steve go because we've been on a solid hour and a half now and i know oh. he's it's been an hour and a half, and I know you've got a cigar to smoke somewhere. Yeah, I no, It's
1: actually out in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> all right. We love you guys. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next Tuesday again at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time back here on PW. Good night, guys.
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits Podcast. Follow us on all your social media apps Facebook.com forward slash Serial Spirits. On Twitter at Serial Spirits. Listen to us on all podcasting platforms iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you subscribe. Follow us on our mothership at ParanormalWarehouse.com. Become a patron today at www.patreon.com forward slash ParanormalWarehouse. Until next time, guys, be aware and be safe.
1: Where